0: It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. Three weekends to go in the Big Ten, and could there be a team lurking with an inside track to a championship? Well, perhaps. We'll take a look on the Big Baseball Podcast. I'm Kyle Charters with Drew Charters. Drew, before we get into that, I know there's a team. There's a team sitting there. There is. Just outside the Big Three. Do you want to give them a hint? This is the team that you liked at the beginning of the season, and I... (laughs) You scoffed. Scoffed. It was a big scoff. You said, no! Who do they got pitching? And here you are rubbing it in. That's what you said. Who do they got? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll take a look at that. It's an interesting theory. It is. About that team. So we'll break that down. Uh, The team that leads the whole thing, Indiana... It's a uh they're hanging on hanging on by an edge. We'll talk to uh Hoosier coach Jeff Mercer on the show uh today. Talk a little bit about his team and preview the last what do they play, ten or eleven games of the season for the Hoosiers? Uh that's not an easy slate that Indiana has. Really, for Indiana that started this last weekend in the pod in Piscataway. But look, the Hoosiers took three of four. So you can't uh, you can't say that they can't take on the challengers and get victories. They win three games against Rutgers and Nebraska, sweeping the two from Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights did not do all that well in their own pod. And then taking uh, one of two from Nebraska to maintain that very slight lead in the Big Ten. With Indiana, man, that is a, a good Hoosier team that is well-balanced. But Drew, I don't think we talk enough about Indiana's pitching staff. If you look at Indiana statistically, they are a full run in ERA yeah. better than anybody else. I think the earned run average is like two seven nine. I mean, and opponents, I, I don't know that I don't know that I've paid that close attention to this over the years, but it seems to me that I've not seen very many teams hold opponents to a 198 batting average, which is what Indiana's staff as a whole. And the other thing that jumps out, they don't have a single player one with an era above five yeah like what are the chances of that there are in college baseball occasionally there are games to just get out of hand and you got to just you know you're throwing somebody out there who you know is going to get hit a couple of times give up a few runs just because you're trying to save a different arm for the next day but they only have like three guys whose era are in the fours, let alone over five i mean that pitching staff has been really good and i think a reason why indiana has that slight lead in the big 10. Yeah. I think we talked about the pitching staff a lot at the beginning of the season, because what, I, you know, I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but they basically gave up no runs through the first like 10 games of the year, <laughs> but they didn't play slightly more than that, slightly more than that. But they, they, you know, the competition wasn't as tough. If I recall, then they got into a stretch where it was a little tougher. And they I think, think we five, just sort of just lost know, track of them. Lost five games in a row too, yeah. in the middle of the season. And, and we lost track of them. And, and, and you look at them and, you know, you look at him specifically this last weekend, and if they pitch like that, there's nobody catching him in the Big Ten. I mean, Gabe Bierman pitched a complete game. If you've got Bierman as your Sunday starter and he leads the Big Ten in ERA, yeah, you're gonna win baseball games. Mm-hmm. So Bierman pitches a complete game. McCade Brown was back to his his form at the beginning of the season. He had a perfect game through six, yeah. and then you've got veteran Tommy Summer to to kick things off as your ace. So, you know, there's no. There's no holes in that weekend rotation at all, especially when 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 Brown is pitching the way that that he did at the beginning of the season and yesterday. Uh, you know, you mentioned their schedule, and we'll talk about it a, a little bit later here too. You know, they're in the midst of seven of eight games are against Nebraska or Michigan, but then they go to Ohio State and Maryland, so it doesn't get any easier, mm-hmm. you know, for Indiana. Uh, but and- they had a good weekend, winning winning three of four. Uh, The game that they lost, I think the IU fans will say, eh, you know, it started pouring down rain. Nebraska scored a couple of runs in pouring down rain. We had a couple of errors. Yeah. On the other side of that, for Nebraska, Cade Povich in that game was almost perfect through four innings, nine strikeouts in four innings, just a hit given up, and then he had to leave the game because it was a 52-minute or something. Rain delay, he had to leave that game. IU made it close, but Nebraska squeaked it out in the end for the only loss of the weekend. Yeah. It was unfortunate this weekend in the Big Ten that really drew for the first time we saw COVID take a a, a big hammer to the schedule. I know it happened with Northwestern in its pod the weekend before, but the Big Ten at least was able to sort of salvage that. I mean, not for the Wildcats, but for Michigan and Illinois uh, but the hammer fell on the Big Ten a little bit this weekend, and in particular, I think for one team yeah. that is sitting outside the NCA tournament right now and trying to get itself into the picture, at least even onto the bubble, which I'm not sure that Ohio State is there yet. But Ohio State losing its series against Minnesota, uh, the Gophers are not going to help in a like a an RPI or whatever metric you want to want to use to to judge your team. But it's certainly going to help in the win-loss column. I think Minnesota's lost, what is it, 13 games in a row? What's the, what's the number now? It's a lot. Um, they didn't lose this weekend because uh, they didn't play, which was unfortunate for Ohio State. Of course, Northwestern Purdue did not play either, although that series holds a little less meaning in terms of the NCAA tournament and maybe the Big Ten race. But for Ohio State, a missed opportunity. Now, it did make up a game by playing Purdue – uh, on Tuesday, that was an interesting game drew because, um, both teams were trying to win and clearly Ohio state was trying to win. It pitched its Friday night starter on Tuesday and Garrett yeah. Burhan. And then, you know, Purdue used a different strategy, but still was, you know, trying to win the game. And Purdue could have just thrown out a bunch of young arms. It's a midweek game. They're farther down the standings. But it used Corey Brooks, its Sunday starter, I think, with the anticipation that it will come back to Brooks again this Sunday. Ohio State using a little bit of different strategy and pitching Burhan, but I think the luxury for Ohio State is that it has Griffin Smith sitting there, who has been a former starter, who it can then insert in, I would assume, on Sunday and pitch and still have a pretty good rotation for its weekend series against Michigan State. But for Ohio State, Drew, I mean, just uh, uh, unfortunate. Now, it got the win against Purdue, 5-1 uh, to one on Tuesday, but you know, loses a couple of games that we'll see if it can make up, though there's, I mean, there's just limited dates left. Yeah, you're not driving from Columbus to West Lafayette, Indiana, to lose that game, right? <laughs> yeah. You're not dropping three against Minnesota, where you probably would have swept at least one, two out of three, yeah. to come to West Lafayette and lose a game against Purdue, who's towards the bottom of the standings. So, I mean, I, I think you have to throw Burhan out there, especially, you know, when you have that luxury uh, of Griffin Smith, and and you're so deep. In the pitching staff, and you're, I, I, you know, for Ohio State, I think you're showing off a little there too. I mean, you know, you're, we can do this. You know, how many teams can throw their Friday starter out there in the midweek game and then continue on the season? Yeah. They're proving they're going to try to prove that they can do it, and and come back from this. Now they still have a chance. This was a huge loss for them because they have six straight games against Minnesota than Michigan State this upcoming weekend, mm-hmm. and now they've lost two of those, and so they'll head to Michigan State. This weekend, and then they've got a tough one in a pot against Nebraska and IU. But there's still an opportunity. You can yeah. win the games against Michigan State, and then what's the best way to catch people? Play them, yeah. <laughs> play them and win. If you right. think you got slighted in this and losing the games in COVID, play Nebraska, play IU, and win. And they can. I yeah. mean, we've talked all year that they're a team capable of winning games. That's why I we think that NCAA should consider them if they're a bubble team because they can win games. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they can win, you know, they can win a game in an NCAA regional. I I don't think there's any doubt, in my opinion, about that with the kind of pitching that Ohio State has. And if they continue to hit the ball, which they have done a little bit better here over the last few weeks, it feels like, and probably would have done, let's be real, would have hit the ball against Minnesota. Right. And Minnesota's team ERA is like eight. Given up, I'm not great at math, but like eight (laughs) ERA. Is like almost a run and inning. Earned run. Almost. Yeah, I mean, it's really close. I mean, that's how I understand it at least. All right, the uh the Big Ten standings. Um Maryland uh has itself in a tie for, for fourth place with Iowa, charging uh as it continues to to charge up the standings. Now, look, the, the t- three teams at the top remain the same: Indiana, Nebraska, and Michigan, Indiana with the the very slight lead. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that extra game a little bit that that Indiana has coming up that's going to be jammed in there on Tuesday and what that could mean a little bit. But uh, you know, Maryland is now you know 21 and 14, the same record as Iowa. I, I think with the Terps, you've got to consider them now a a team that is really lurking. You know, one game here or there might make a big difference to whether it gets in the NCAA tournament. Maryland lost three straight games at the end of March. It was their longest losing streak of the season. They're 16 and five since then mm. uh, from the end of March. So, you know, talk about hot teams coming in. Uh, they're certainly one of those. And now they've got Purdue. And then, you know, similar to Ohio State, they're going to have their chance to beat these teams. They've got Michigan and IU yeah. after that. And if you, you know, if you want to make the NCAA tournament, if you want to come close to, to winning the Big Ten, beat Michigan and beat IU. So they're certainly going to have their opportunity to 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 make a run at it and play a little play a little spoiler and create chaos at the top of the Big 10. The series that are big this weekend, Indiana traveling to Michigan, we'll preview that a little bit here coming up with Jeff Mercer. Uh an opportunity for Indiana to stay in first place and a chance for Michigan, which is a couple of games back in the loss column, uh to get right back in there. Again, I mean that'll be a <laughs> A big series, a great series, uh, certainly. And then, you know, uh, Nebraska, I think hosting Northwestern, that will be an interesting game, interesting series because Northwestern's been off for a couple of weeks. I assume that series is going to be played, as we sit here in the middle of this week. Uh, can the Wildcats compete after two weeks off, or is this just a, an easy one uh, for for Nebraska here um, as it gets sort of this, this three games against a team that's been idle? Uh, all right, Drew. Let's hit uh, Big Arm and Big Bat. Let's go ahead and start with uh, with Big Bat, which you you were supposed to handle this week. Though you can't read your Twitter, apparently. I did not even get your check, messages. Check your DMs. Check your DMs, bro. Did you really not get them? I I, no, I, I message you. Oh, I just got them too late after I wasted <laughs> after I wasted time laboring through Big Arm. There was a lot of big arms, big bat. On the other hand, uh, I think it's a quiet weekend, know, uh, quiet weekend. Not as many bet? games means not as many nominees, right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. It was uh, a, a good point there, but there were a few here. A couple for IU. Uh, Jordan Fusey hit the two-run home run in the top of the 11th inning uh, to beat Rutgers in that extra inning. Uh, victory for the Hoosiers. That's a big one. Uh, Cole Barr had a couple of home runs in game two on Saturday. He ended that game two for five uh, with four RBI and a, and a couple of runs scored, those home runs. Uh, Luke Roscom for Nebraska had a great weekend. He was seven for 15, had five runs scored, eight RBI, mm-hmm. had two home runs. And that was after a, a, a pretty lackluster start to the weekend. He was six for his last nine in the last yeah. two games. so. Uh, certainly made a run uh, towards the end of the weekend. Uh, a big bat this week will go to a uh, reserve catcher Ooh. for Maryland. Justin Vaught uh, had a great game, four for five. I believe he struck out his first time up, ended the day mm-hmm. with three home runs. Four That's not bad. for five, three dingers, four RBI, and four runs scored uh, for the catcher from Maryland who will earn... A trophy this week for his backup role. It's a, it's a, a trophy that actually is like... A trophy uh, emoji. It's, it's an emoji. <laughs> it's really catching on, though, those trophy emojis. We send you, actually, uh, when you win... Oh, we can't do this because it's an NCAA violation. We send you yeah. a, a tiny emoji. It has a great value. Uh, big harm for this week. Steve Hager went six innings for Michigan just allowed a hit. He was pretty good. 13 strikeouts. Uh, that was a, uh, victory against Michigan state on Friday. Andrew Hoffman was really good for the Illini seven and two thirds scoreless, 12 strikeouts. He had a bunch of guys with, you know, like six, seven innings this week with no runs allowed three hits. He didn't walk anybody in a 2-0 victory against Maryland. It was a good pitching duel, uh, the game that went extra innings between Indiana and Rutgers. McCade Brown went seven innings, gave up a run with 11 strikeouts, three walks, uh, just one hit. Ben Wierinski. in that same game, had seven shutout innings. Then it went to extras before, as you, as you mentioned, Indiana won. Jason Savakul, he improved to 6-1, and one, the freshman for Maryland, with eight and a third innings, seven strikeouts. He did give up three runs. Uh, That was in a victory against Illinois on Saturday. Gabe Bierman, we mentioned him earlier, complete game, four-hitter, gave up one earned run, a couple of runs total, 11 strikeouts, and a 4-2 win against Nebraska. Uh, Garrett Burhan on Tuesday went six innings. He gave up a run, had six strikeouts in uh, Ohio State's 5-1 victory. But, man, it's hard to get away from Cameron Weston, the Michigan pitcher who went nine innings. He allowed a hit a run, he struck out 9, no walks in a 3-1 victory against Michigan State. I mean even better than all of that, he faced only 29, so just two more than the minimum. He gave up a hit and hit a batter and that was it. So Michigan State only had a couple of runners on base, so you know, pretty close to uh to being perfect for Weston. So he is the big arm for this week. All right, let's uh, get to our interview with uh, Jeff Mercer. Indiana head baseball coach. We'll do that coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast. And let's welcome in Indiana baseball coach Jeff Mercer in his third season down there in Bloomington and his team coming off a pretty darn weekend, pretty darn good weekend in in Piscataway. First of all, coach, thanks for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Secondly, Man, uh, Drew and I were talking last week that I think you'd go into pretty much any pod weekend thinking uh, if you could go two and two, you'd probably be pretty happy with that. And and maybe if your opponents were a a very hot Rutgers team and a very, very good Nebraska team, you would definitely take two of two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you guys took three of four and and come out of there in first place in the Big Ten. You've got to be pretty happy with what you've seen from your team recently.
1: I would agree with that assessment. I, I think that we've continued to, to to grow as a team. We've gotten better and, and really in all facets. Pitching has been strong throughout the course of the year, and, and our position group has has gotten better. We've had some young guys that have grown up and improved, and, and you could see kind of the the like the mentality of the group, the toughness of the group, the the resiliency over the course of the last couple of weeks and this weekend as well, where you're 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 at the ballpark you know, half the day on Friday, literally the entire day Saturday with a couple of rain delays and then back at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And, and, and the personality of a team can either win or lose those those kind of games. And, and we were able to pull out three out of four and, and, and had a pretty good had a pretty good weekend. So we just keep growing and, and improving. And the more you play, the, the better that you get. And, and, and we're starting to hit our stride a little bit, at least at this point.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the pitching staff. I mean, I think when a lot of people think of Indiana these days, they think of, you know, some mashers up there are going to hit the baseball and hit home runs. And you guys are doing that to a certain extent this year, but man, the pitching staff has just been really good for you guys. And, yeah. you know, you look at it statistically and, and it just sort of jumps out off the page. You you can't help, but see uh, the RA that for a team that's under three, mm-hmm. an opponent batting average that's under 200, which is, almost unheard of, I think, yeah. in college baseball. I mean, opponents are just hitting 198 against you guys, right. which means your pitchers are striking out a lot of guys, which they are. But, I mean, it's pretty, pretty impressive what the staff has been able to do.
1: It really is. It really is. First, we have a tremendous pitching coach in, in Justin Parker and in our pitching development, uh, guy, Dan Segerman, is incredible as well. So those guys team up to do a great job. I think it goes back a little bit as well to a couple of years ago, our first year at Indiana was we were kind of how we wanted to move forward at Indiana and how we thought we could win at a high level. We we had to be able to pitch it. And so that was the first thing we had to invest in was the the young guys, the, the physicality, the, the development, uh capable bodies that were going to be able to to grow and, and flourish in the system and then and then work out from there. And and so you're looking at a lot of these young guys. Or that you know two or three years ago were young guys and the guys that were coming in and you're starting to see kind of a plan come to fruition here and they've done a really great job justin and did done a great job the boys have done an incredible job they've worked so hard and they've really invested themselves and in, in been able to uh, to become a very formidable force for us you know when when uh, we when we set out to to, to you know, kind of create the staff you're looking at creating for a, a five game week Obviously, primary normally in, in a normal season, you're going to have five games a week, a midweek or two, and then three or four games on a weekend. And now we have three games a week, potentially four sometimes on a, on a big weekend. And so we're able to really, we're able to really maximize those innings uh, with guys where, where we feel like we don't ever have to stretch guys beyond what they're capable of doing. We don't have to have guys. You know, have you don't have to look at the lineup the third time or the fourth time, or you don't have to go through the second time. Whatever it is, where we feel like that threshold is crossed, where the 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 opponent has an opportunity here to to do more damage, we're able to get that guy out. We have enough guys, enough depth to to run the next guy out there who's also equally as as well prepared. So it's been a lot of fun, um, and I, and I tip my cap to to Justin and Denton and the kids for doing a, a tremendous job, and in, in this. I've been very proud of them all.
0: Yeah, and your weekend rotation has been solid. Tommy Summer, McCade Brown, and, and Gabe Beerman been, being the primary uh, guys for you, in the, at least in those three-game weekends. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit about McCade. I, we saw him a couple of years ago. I think that he started that Purdue-Indiana game. Yeah. he didn't start, he at least played in it. And, and man, he just couldn't throw strikes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, I, I think there were more balls out of even the batter's box than there were near the strike zone, but you also could tell that he had some stuff. Uh, how was he able to harness that to turn in the kind of performances that he's been able to give for you this year?
1: A lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work. He, he, he's gotten a lot more physical. He's gotten a lot stronger, uh, and for a guy like him at that size, he's so big. You know, he's every bit of 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. He's a big, wide uh, man. And and when you have that, it's just, it's more difficult for a guy like that to get up on one leg to control his body down the mound. And for him, you know, fortunately for him, he's actually a year young first grade too. So he's so big in a year young, mm. just takes time for those guys, their bodies to, to be under control down the mound and be able to, 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 uh, to locate a pitch consistently. And then he's had, he's had to get used to being able to, to performing and competing at, at a high level. And guys will say, it's like, hey, have confidence. Hey, believe in yourself. And all those different you know quips that we as coaches give to to players. But it, it is hard until you go and do it. And as a, as a young guy for him, he, he was a good high school pitcher, but hadn't pitched at this level, hadn't done it. And <clears throat> consequently, he had some really good days and some really bad days. But you could just see through consistent effort, through his investment, and through getting a lot more physical, just his investment in the weight room, his diet. Uh, and, and that physicality really helped him to control his body better. He's got an incredible family. His mom and dad are wonderful people. His dad played college football. His mom is a tremendous college volleyball coach. So he's got a great supporting cast at home, really pushing him um, and, and, and not allowing him to kind of retreat back into, as all, as we all do, into our comfort zones, pushing him out. Uh, and then he's got great coaching with, with, uh, with Justin and, and guidance from, from from Denton and those guys, and, and he's able, been able to really uh, continue to grow even through the course of this season. You know where you're going to. He's had some some dominant outings. And he's had some outings where haven't been as good. Uh, he's had some times where he's got uh, his his pitches picked. He's had some times where he's had you know trouble uh, find, throwing a breaking ball for a strike. Whatever it is, all normal things that happen throughout the course of a year for for a starting uh, what well, for a weekend starter. And he's been able to overcome and work through those things and, and had a brilliant outing this past weekend uh, up at Rutgers, and, and he's just he's done a great job, but it's been, a, it's been a hard journey as it is for anyone that's, that's trying to do something that's difficult, which, which he is, and, and we've all been been really pretty proud of him.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a nice luxury to have him going on Saturdays, and, and Gabe Bierman, who I think over the weekend gave you what nine innings and 11 strikeouts yeah. go on Sundays because your Friday guy and Tommy Summer has been really good
1: too. Yeah. Yeah, to, you know, Tommy, Tommy's really mature, he gives you, he's going to give you a quality start on Fridays. He sets the tone uh, and and he just kind of, the, he's the first one through, the first one through the wall always is going to get scuffed up and, and he's got to you know figure out, well, we thought this was going to be the weakness of an opponent and it's not, it's actually this and we have to diagnose, but having Tommy out there to be able to kind of go, go first and help us to learn our, our opponent that that friday helps a ton and you know for for mccade and gabe they're able to stand there next to coach parker as they keep their charts and work with him and they stand there and they watch tommy pitch and they listen to the pitches that are called and they they keep the charts and so by the time that mccade gets out there he's already in his mind he's already thrown a game standing there next to coach parker by the time that gabe uh, gets in the game on sunday he's already thrown two or three games depending upon if we're in a three or four game weekend so it, it takes a special person to go on Fridays you do go in a little bit uh, a little bit blindfolded into an opponent and then Saturday and Sunday you're, you're giving those guys a ton of information by that by the time that Saturday and Sunday gets around you've given coach Parker who calls our pitches uh, you've given him a ton of ammunition you've given him a ton of experiences and we've learned our opponent really well our shifts get our better all those things really help and, and Tommy's the guy that sets the tone for that
0: you don't have a single pitcher with an ERA above 5, um, which, which is another one of those things that just doesn't seem real. Um, because oftentimes, you know, in a season you'll have a game where you just got to leave somebody out there and, you know, unfortunately they give up a couple extra runs and, you know, it's a game you're trailing or something. What does it say about your team that you have that kind of depth and, um, you know, haven't had that kind of situation where you've just had to leave somebody out there maybe to pick up a couple extra runs because you're trying to save some other arms?
1: Well, I think what it what it comes back to there's a couple of things. One, the, the all of the kids have worked really hard, and they, they do all feel a sense of obligation to each other. Uh, I, I think it also go, goes comes back to the uh, something that we as a, as a program uh, proud ourselves on is is coaching all the players. You have to coach all the players every day. You have to show up and, and give your best effort. You don't just get to coach the best six or eight arms and the best six or eight hitters. You you have to show up and do your best for all of them every day. One, they deserve that, and secondarily, that that you just don't know who's going to end up being in the game. You don't know the situations, you don't know the injuries, you don't know the matchups, and so you have to prepare all of them to, to the best of your ability, the best that you can. You have to prepare them, and so when you do that, uh, and and you give yourself depth, and and you allow yourself to play the matchups and play the strengths, then you don't you you shouldn't expose kids. To, to situations where they're going to fail almost assuredly going to fail or, or pitch them beyond their limit. I think it also comes back to, to, to the idea that when a guy's time is up his time is up on the mound. when it's when that's enough that's enough you know, yeah. in, in many ways regardless of what the situation in the game is if, 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 if he's at his limit, if his stuff is deteriorating to the point where he he can no longer uh, compete at a high level, you got to get him out And that means you have to trust the next guy to get in there and there's been a couple times, this year, I'll be completely honest with you, where we've sent guys out that I that I was concerned about when they walked onto the mound after watching them in the midweek or mm-hmm. after watching them in a, in a scrimmage or whatnot, that I was concerned about their ability to go out and compete in in a real game. And they've, and they've time and time again gone out and, and proved, not proved me wrong, but proved themselves capable in those moments and then improved. And even if it was a short outing, there's a couple of guys I could think of early in the year really short stints, short outings, got them in and got them out, got some confidence. They continue to throw in the midweeks and they've become really contributing members of the, of the staff over the course of the year. And the the reality is just like every pitching staff we've had, we've had injuries here and there on the staff this year, like everyone does every year. But because we do have the depth uh, of the, of the group, those injuries aren't as devastating as it was, is with some teams in some years. Um, because you do have enough guys that continue to go out there and compete. Yeah,
0: a couple of years ago, I think your offense had somewhere around a thousand home runs, give or take. Uh, the, the offense this year seems a little bit more balanced. I mean, when you look at it in in terms of statistics, you're sort of middle of the pack in 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 homers. Um, you know, same in terms of average, I guess. Uh, but but there seems to be a little bit more balance. You're running maybe a little bit more. At least it feels like you are. Um, you feel like you have a a more balanced offense and one that perhaps is a little bit less reliant, or does it need to be as reliant on the home run?
1: The the offense does not need to be as reliant on the home run. the the yeah. the, the primary job for the offense is to play defense, and mm-hmm. and we're a much better defensive team than we were a couple of years ago. Um, although at times we do we do have uh, we have made some mistakes. We are starting. You know, depending upon the day, four or five freshmen in, in, on, on the defensive side. Sometimes we do some silly stuff, but we do have the ability to 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 make some splash plays defensively, and we have. We have made some really game-changing splash defensive plays, plays that we couldn't make uh, a couple years ago. And so that their first job is to support the pitching staff. Our catching has been phenomenal. Our catching has been incredible. Um, and they've really, really supported staff, our, our, our play around the infield have made some made some errors, but has been primarily pretty good, and our outfield play has been exceptional across the board through the entire year so that was a that was a huge part for us if we're going to be able to have a pitching staff, you have to have a defense that supports them, and we didn't do a very good job of that two years ago uh and then be able on the offensive side to develop and grow over the course of the year to score runs each and every day i think two two years ago we averaged just under three runs a game on a Friday night that's not going to win very many Friday games. Mm-hmm. You know, last year we averaged about six runs uh, on a Friday game. And this year we're probably somewhere in between that, but closer to the the four to five range, which is where you need to be at to be able to win on a Friday. You you can't go into every weekend losing Friday, one to nothing, and then try to outslug somebody on Saturday and Sunday. It just, just, that's not a a sustainable formula for success. And and now that's what we did um, because that was our strength. We really could, we could really drive the ball. We were big and physical. Um, A little bit limited athletically and a little bit limited in our defensive radius and range so you play to your strengths You play to the strengths that you have and those kids did an awesome job doing that this year We feel like we can be a little little bit more well-rounded. We'd like to put a little bit of pressure uh, with a stolen base or potentially with the bunt here and there or Put the ball in play with two strikes. Just we've had so many moments, especially as we've kind of settled in here uh, the last couple weeks you know, just kind of we got kind of caught our breath again after all the COVID stuff that that happened with the coaching staff, and we were out for yeah. for a while. We've been able to kind of settle back in. We've been much better about putting the ball in play with two strikes. We've been much better about driving runners in from third base with less than two outs. All the 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 core principles of an offense that have to be there have gotten a lot better fundamentally. Although I I don't mind the home run, certainly not. That that can't be the the end all be all of an offense. Just it just it's incapable of, of functioning at a high level when that's plan A, plan B, and plan C, and uh, and and we were a little bit too reliant two years ago on that. And I think this year we do have a more well, a more well-rounded uh, offense that is playing better baseball now than it was uh, six weeks ago, and, and hopefully we'll continue to trend in that direction. Drew and I
0: have debated on the podcast the you know the best one through four hitters of of all the teams uh in the in the Big 10 your stacks right up there you know particularly Grant Richardson and Cole Barr a couple of, of veteran guys you've got to like the pressure that the top of your order can put on opponents
1: it it is it is those those top four guys have done a great job you know with when you're looking at coaching an offense i was kind of liking it to herding cats where you, you've got three or four guys maybe five guys that, that, that can that can are, are good at one point in time they're swinging it well they're playing well they're putting the ball in play consistently taking walks and and then you're trying to get the fifth or the sixth guy in the boat and then you know, you lose this guy and then you're trying to grab this guy and you feel like you're always just trying to you know get guys in the boat at the same time everybody feeling good but those four guys have consistently withdrew with and Paul and Cole and, and Grant have consistently, had good at bats throughout the course of the year and have have been the the, the offense uh, generators for us and then there have been times where we've had that fifth and sixth and seventh guy mm-hmm. sometimes even eight guys uh, on the boat at the same time that the emergence of con hopkins the last several weeks has been huge then you're just trying to add more guys to support those those four uh, and and it, it's different guys at different times based on matchups and, and based on situations but yeah we we do feel fortunate. And we feel really good about those top four guys, and we have to continue to support them uh, throughout the, the rest of the lineup because those guys can do their job. They can get on base. They can advance themselves to scoring position. But someone ultimately has to drive them in, and we have to have guys in the back end that can that can support them and do that.
0: Yeah. All right. So you're the coach. So you have to take things one game at a time. You know all the cliches. Maybe one inning at a time. One pitch at a time. All that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. I don't have to do that. So I'll look ahead here for you. Uh, you have Michigan this weekend in Ann Arbor, that mm-hmm. Illinois makeup game uh, yep. on Tuesday, a pod with the Illini and Nebraska back home, and the second to last weekend and then at Maryland. Uh, that's not a joke of a schedule. That's a that's a, that's right. quite the slate to wrap things up. How do you? And and I know that your answer is going to be taken one game at a time. Uh, how do you how do you manage that through these last three weeks? Because this is going to be a, a really tight race down the stretch in the Big Ten, and and you guys have some really good competition coming up.
1: Well, I, I think we're really fortunate to be in the position that we're in, and and I think that's how you I, th- I think that's how you look at it when you when you look back <clears throat> at a point in time this season when when I had COVID was out for two or three weeks, and then I. And then the rest of our coaches, uh, uh, Justin and Denton, both got it, and they were out for two or three weeks. We had lost five games in a row at one point. We went to Ohio State, played the worst baseball I've, I've ever seen a team play, and and got swept. And to look at the position that we've put ourselves in now, regardless of what happens down the stretch, the boys have done a great job. They've done a, they've done an incredible job putting us back in the position that we, that we are in currently. So I think when you go through adversity, when you go through difficult times, when you lose – Losing is not always bad, although you'd rather not lose to learn a lesson. But sometimes it happens, and, and and those things are a part of it. But it's also a part of the growth, and it's the reason. The reason that you, that you improve yourself, the reason that you're hardened, and that you're prepared, and you're capable of going and running a gauntlet, like we're going to potentially have to run here to give ourselves a chance to win. I think that's what I look back to and say, we're, we're really fortunate. And, and I, I welcome the opportunity to go play those teams and to compete at that level that's that's what you want to do as a competitor and and, and as a as a high level athlete is you do you want to go measure yourself against the best where do i stand where do i stack you know am, am i the best am i not in in if we if we didn't uh, if we didn't grow a ton substantially and improve ourselves we never would have put ourselves in this position and, and so i think that's what i look at is i i'm excited to see where we've come from where we were at and I'm excited to see where we stack and, and and i and, and I know the boys are really excited to go out and compete, so you're right. you do have to take it one game game at a time and and all those things and the, and they are cliche and they are important um but I think even more than that, <clears throat> I think I'm already really really happy and really proud of what the kids have done this year and uh and I think anything on top of that's gravy, so it, it'll be fun it'll be exciting, my blood pressure will be up and I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to work on my, my breathing techniques or, or, or you know, they, they tell us to do, which I'm not sure works or doesn't work, but yeah, you, know, you try. You mentioned COVID
0: a couple of times. Um, you were out for what the, the Penn State and uh, Purdue weekends. Yeah. What was that like for you personally? What did you do to um, make the time go by? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, also I think a credit to your team and the rest of your coaching staff that you were able to, I didn't realize that they had missed some time too. So, so really it extended then beyond just those couple of weekends. But uh, I guess, what did you do to pass the time? And then um, how did you guys sort of all manage that situation?
1: Uh, Fortunately, I I live way out in the country. So we've got like 40 acres. So I was able to get outside a little bit and kind of catch my breath, which is hard to do when you're, when you're, uh, you know, trying to also help manage the program. But uh, that did help a little bit. Mostly, I, I tried to let the coaches do what they what what they're good at doing, which is coach the players, and stay out of the way a little bit. Give my two cents here and there, kind of give my guidance as much as I could. I, I work primarily with the hitters, along with Derek Simmons and Dan Held, and so trying to help those guys without at the same time getting too much in the weeds. Use the technology that, that we have all the the bat systems. So I can watch all the swings from the side and the front, and and, and all those different pieces communicate a little bit with the players. Um, once I was able to return, that's when uh, Justin and Denton got COVID. So I was out for two weeks and then those guys were then staggered. So it was about a month there where we were mm-hmm. we were kind of all out uh, of sorts there. So when Justin was out, we were able to slide. And I kind of took a little bit more of an active role with the pitchers. We let the, let the players call the game and just kind of worked our way through it the best that we could. And um, it's one of those things where you, you just can't control anything ab- about it in the moment. You just manage the best that you can with the people. And, but once you have able to all get back together, that, that's when you can really get the work in that you, you need to get to be able to, to grow the way a team normally would over the course of a season. If, you, if you're playing all 56 and you're playing, you know, a, a yeah. normal role of it, you, you just grow so much by playing. And then what you, when you really grow is you really grow on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays at practice. Because you, you, you've got to be available to learn. And, and so there's a lot of lessons during that time that we learned with COVID that you're able to then go back and, and, and apply in, in when people are able to learn. And then that's how you really improve and grow. So humility is a, is a powerful tool. Uh, it's a powerful tool to coach. It's a powerful tool to live, uh, live by. So uh, I would say the technology, the relationships, where you're just trying to get guys to hang in there, just, just keep going, just mm-hmm. keep battling through it. It's gonna, it's gonna be okay, and, and and the kids eventually did that. But I did feel, I did feel bad for them where they had to test every day for three or four weeks, and the season gonna get shut down or not, and it's hard, it's hard. And but we made it, so that was the important thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you guys will not host a regional this year, right? Is that I, what? You did not put in a bid, um, I think, as long as I'm right on that. But what do you think about this whole process with, you know, sort of the pre bids and? You know being a little bit different with the NCAA tournament this year.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. You know, they they asked for the bids earlier than 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 normal, which I understand. Um and for us where where we were at as far as the team's concerned and as far as the like where we at where we are in the standings and then also with the 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 fan policies when you're when you're looking yeah. at it so far into the future, it's like it's like kind of trying to you know look into a crystal wall and, and read things far, far out and, and it's not like you have Hey, we're going to, we're going to put in a bid host or host a yeah bid host, uh, you know, two or three weeks in advance. I think it was like April 12th, which is, mm-hmm. I think that's what I heard, which was, a, you know, that's a long time in the, in the end of the future. So, um, it, it is what it is. I, 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 I don't have the, the obviously the control. I, I would, would love to be able to do it. I'd love to be good enough to be able to do it. And, right. and we weren't at the position, um, when, when you had to put in the, 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 the bid for it. So, uh, i i hope that uh, uh, that they're able to figure out the seating which which will be really important obviously with the host how they're gonna manage uh, you know all the the different seating or the if the if the hosts are the top seat or they're not right. if they're, if they're selecting those I don't know how it all works out I, I don't envy those the people in those positions um i I would just like to be one of the teams that are involved right <laughs> end of it. so if we can be involved and and then go and then go compete that would be uh, that would be terrific.
0: A quick one for you here, because we're going to run out of time. Uh, how many teams from the Big Ten will get in the NCAA tournament? How many, in your opinion, uh deserve to get in?
1: It seems more and more like four teams are going to are, are going to get a shot at it, and, and it kind of looks like that's a, a reasonable number. I think there's probably this is just off the top of my head without really sitting down and looking at the the standings and, and thinking of all the teams, there's probably five that I think maybe five, maybe six that I think are, 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 are real candidates. I yeah. think that, I think that would be a, a, a pretty reasonable assessment to make just having played, having looked, having, you know, kind of looked at the, 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 the standings and um, comparing to, to my very short, which I'll be, I, I know it is a, my short experience in the big 10 and my short experience in, in, in college coaching by comparison to a lot of these guys that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years. So I would say, I think probably four get in, I think probably five or six are deserving. Um, yeah. And a lot of it's going to be just determined here down the stretch, but I, I hope we can get to four. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about five just to be kind of the realist in me. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I look forward to, to not having to deal with these same questions in the future. <laughs> yeah getting back to a schedule that we should have, which includes all 56 games. So, yeah,
0: no doubt yeah. about it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that will come soon. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jeff, appreciate your time. As always, best of luck uh, down that gauntlet here in the last three weeks of the season. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 101.7 The Hammer. Let's hit the weekend rotation, the the things that we're looking at as we head into this third to last weekend in the Big Ten. Topic number one, uh, I think this is the topic we should be talking about, who has the most difficult remaining schedule of those three teams at the top of the Big Ten, those being Indiana, Nebraska, and Michigan, and as it turns out, Drew, they they play each other a whole bunch here over these last three weeks. But let's look at each one of these, then we can sort of break it down. Indiana plays at Michigan. It has that Illinois makeup game on Tuesday in Bloomington. Of course, a game that it missed earlier in the season uh, due to weather. Uh, Nebraska and Ohio State in a pod in Bloomington then that next weekend and then wraps things up at Maryland. Nebraska has Northwestern this weekend, which will be an interesting series only because the Wildcats have not played in a couple of weeks. Uh, Ohio State and Indiana in that Bloomington pod and then hosting Michigan and Lincoln and for the Wolverines – Course, we mentioned a bunch of this, but against IU, uh, then Maryland uh, at home, both of those uh, in Ann Arbor and then uh, at Nebraska to wrap things up. So of all that, who's the most difficult schedule of those remaining? Well, I would lean towards Michigan, I think. And I say, I think, because I don't, I, it's hard to, it's at least hard, it's, it's hard has. to answer. Well, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I don't I, think there's a wrong answer. Who, That's not my answer. Though. Michigan's. Easiest opponent out of those three is Maryland, and Maryland's coming in hot. Hot, coming I in mean, hot again. Sixteen wins in their last twenty-one games is Maryland. So I, I think I would I would go Maryland, even though you know the or I mean Michigan. Uh, well, Indiana. I mean at I mean Indiana is a little bit more difficult because it has more games in a shorter period too. Now maybe you look at the pitching staff as we mentioned earlier and says it can it can handle uh the workload but you've got that Illinois makeup game which could be important. But that's up it's potentially a really big game. Yes. It'll be interesting to see how Illinois handles that particular game. Um because you hope that they throw a guy hoping to win. Illinois doesn't have very much pitching depth. They don't. They it's yeah. takes a jump off the Never mind. Is, uh, is Ohio State <laughs> is Ohio State tougher than some other teams in pods because they have Griffin Smith? And I mean, they just have good pitching depth. Um, I mean, they've got four starting pitchers. Yeah, not everybody has four starting pitchers. Right. Um, yeah, maybe. But look, Indiana is Michigan, the Illinois makeup game. Then that pod with with two teams that need to win: Nebraska and Ohio State, and then add Maryland. I mean, they're not. They're not a lot of of breaks there. Um, I suppose Indiana and Michigan are the two that you, you look at um, who probably have the most difficult, Nebraska being a little less because they have, you know, Northwestern this weekend uh, before getting back into it. Right. Uh, let's hit topic number two. And this is what we alluded to at the top of the show. There's a team lurking right there, Drew, who if you look at things and you start to talk about what's the total number of wins that will win the big 10 and you look at iowa's remaining schedule you can sit there and say to yourself if iowa gets to this magic number which is attainable then the hawkeyes can win a share of the big 10 yeah they've got illinois this weekend at home and then at northwestern and then at michigan state yeah So nine games. Against teams that are under 500. Teams that are under 500 and Northwestern that may be checking in. We don't know. We'll find out this weekend, probably. So how many wins is going to win the Big Ten? Right now, you've got three teams at 23. You've got Iowa at 21. Yes, yes.
1: So, so can those three so, so teams at
0: twenty three, can they win? Are they getting to thirty? Is thirty thirty's too high, right? Those teams can't win with those schedules left that we just talked about. Well, they're, they're just playing each other. They're too. playing each other. So thirty so <laughs> yeah. so thirty is not the answer, I don't think. Twenty eight. If somebody gets to thirty, they're winning the Big Ten. But the number is is potentially twenty eight for Iowa. If Iowa can go seven and two right. with that schedule and get to twenty eight, then you know, we don't have to take these necessarily game by game. But it's not a gimme that Indiana, Michigan, or Nebraska can get to 29. Well, let's take take one as an example. Let's take Indiana as the example because we sort of talked about that that Illinois game as the uh, potential difference maker here. Right. So if you take Indiana as the example, they've got at Michigan. Let's say they win two. They Mm -hmm. play well against Michigan. They win two. They've got that single game against Illinois. They win that. That's three more victories. Then they've got a pod against Nebraska and Ohio State. It's tough to win three or four in a pod. Let's say they win two, so you're up to five. You're up to five victories, so that gets them to 28 wins. Yeah. So that means that if they want to win the Big Ten outright, and, t- and and it's con- and thinking that Iowa's gonna win seven games their last nine, right? Then they need to win that series against Maryland. Well, they need to win a game, but they you're need, giving them a, a, a game for a share. Yeah. Right but you're you're giving them I think you're giving is wrong. them because there are twenty three wins and you're saying, you're giving them five going into Maryland, right right, so they need to win a game at Maryland, which is conceivable to do I mean they're probably not going to be swept, but you're giving, but giving, them, giving them two at Michigan. you're giving them two at Michigan, so what if they only win one at Michigan would be a better example, which is you know that's not going to be an easy road, so then 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 you know they tie. Iowa and that first game at Maryland you got to win one of those next two you got to win that series at Maryland for the Big 10. How much is it of an advantage that they have one more game than everybody else? That they're huge. playing. Yeah. Right? Well, it's they actually a- have two more games because they well, have, well not not two more games than Nebraska. Yeah, correct. But they have two more games than Michigan. Yeah. And two more games than Iowa. Mhm. That's a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean it's all predicated on Iowa going I think Iowa has to go seven and two in those last nine games. I mean less than that. Less than that. I I would think a team like Indiana would be in pretty good shape, even with the schedule. They would only have to win four games. I know, but I just think it's (laughs) I I think it's it's tough, obviously, to win seven of nine games. But it's very possible with that schedule. It's it's I would I would say highly likely highly likely I don't want to get into that, in that argument with you. I know you're you are do not like that argument. A, I have a problem with highly likely. I know, but it is. It's, it's highly likely. likely. It's not highly likely. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh what are you watching this weekend? Uh I'm sticking with Iowa. I'm watching that Iowa Illinois series because that's going to that's going to that's going to tell us where this is in a week. Can Iowa be there in the end? And this series against Illinois is going to say a lot. If they lose this series, then we, we, know our, yeah. we know our answer. It's over. But if they win this series or they sweep Illinois, if they sweep Illinois this weekend, which is likely, not highly likely. <laughs> no, may not even be likely. If they sweep Illinois, then what are we talking about? Then we're, we're definitely talking to them winning eight of that last nine. That's true. Yeah, so they important if they go eight, if Iowa goes eight and one over the last nine. Woo. So a very important series for Iowa this weekend. Uh, Yeah, I'll be watching uh, Indiana and Michigan. Uh, That'll be an interesting one to see who comes out on top there, clearly. And then literally we'll be uh, remotely watching Purdue and Maryland playing uh, their three-game series. All right, uh, that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, Thanks for listening. As always, we do appreciate it. Tell your friends, subscribe, do all that uh, cool stuff. Uh, For Drew Chargers, I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks to Jeff Mercer for coming on as well. And thanks for listening. This is... The Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer.